Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called the Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at Patreon.com slash CinemaSins. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. put that on Twitter. Release the, you know, release the the, the Jello cut. cut. The <laughs> Jello <laughs> cut. It's the original script cut. Yeah, no. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And today we have a very special guest. It's director and co-writer Maxi Contenti, uh, who has done a movie called The Last Matinee. It's on VOD, digital, and DVD on August 24th. Maxi, welcome. Hey, hey. thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this, this movie... I, I, I always get uh, nostalgic about movies that are set in movie theaters because I worked in one. I worked in several movie theaters for 20 years and worked as a projectionist oh. for a long time. Um, do you have any experience yeah. with movie theaters itself? No, actually, I don't. Just uh, I have a lot of experience uh, going to movie theaters. Sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, like at some, at some points in my life, I went like... I guess five days uh, a week. There was there was a, 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 a some part of my life that I was crazy, just going every, all the time. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. we've been there. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, uh, uh, so, what was your inspiration for this movie? Okay, um, I always tell this because uh, well, it's it's what what happened was the, the main inspiration came from its uh, location was the movie theater house that inspired the film so i always get inspired by my personal experiences my life experiences and also kind of like maybe it's because it's more practical what, what if, mm-hmm. you, if you you know if you come from a country well maybe all countries but if you come from a country like uruguay like me um you know, it's it's easier to make a movie or something if you get inspired by your surroundings and what you got available, and locations are you know something that gets you inspired. So, I was shooting a commercial in this particular movie theater that I knew mm-hmm. and I went as a kid, and looking around with the crew, uh, I said, "Well, this place is like." It's calling for a movie for a horror movie just <laughs> feels like it feels haunted right and yeah. i knew this theater for for a long time so uh it was uh, um later on that i went back to this uh idea it was it wasn't like right away i was developing other projects who were uh, that, that were uh 
more uh, dramas. They're, they weren't uh, uh, genre films, although I always ha had, uh, and my heart is in genre film, film films and entertainment films and fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I always uh, developed those kind of projects. But I was working on another one that was a drama and it wasn't working out. I wasn't getting finance. I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the script. I wasn't, <laughs> so I went like, fuck it. I need to, I need to do something that's um, producible that you can, you know, that I can make. And so I need to make a movie that is just, you know, celebration or something, something, something that I, comes more naturally and so and so i went back to this idea of a movie inside this movie theater and a horror movie of course like. oh yeah <laughs> i can tell you as someone who worked in movie theaters for a very long time this exact scenario in my head uh happened before the oh you know, my god the killer going through the theater and, you know, and uh, that type of thing. I mean, it, it, it's movie theaters just have this natural uh, inclination towards horror movies and everything. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, uh, it, uh, resonated with me uh, uh, particularly well. So uh, can you talk about your cast? Uh, Cause a lot of these guys haven't, they haven't done, very many things. Some of these uh, people are have uh, are in their first movie, and uh, so how did you find these people? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, well, part of it was um, a bit uh, finding um, through through colleagues. I, I uh, like the main character uh, Luciana Grasso plays Anna. Mm -hmm. I found her mm -hmm. through. She's from Argentina, and I found her through another Argentinian film. That I knew from colleagues from Argentina, and I, I she she was one of a, of a few of the cast that didn't have to do proper casting. The rest were all through casting, because I I asked her for you know give me some work samples, and we meet we we met and we talked, and I, I I sort of like okay, I found my character. I was I was looking for someone like you and. I kind of saved the the, the place, the, you know, the, for her. And I did mm -hmm. the same with some other actors that I knew from working in other films in, in, in Uruguay. Mm -hmm. But most of the other characters were casting and they were teenagers or, you know, like the kid, Franco Duran. Yeah. It's his name. Of course, that was his, his first film. And... Uh, I was lucky to find him uh, through casting and also Julieta Spinelli, which plays Angela. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said she sent a, a video of casting, like an auto casting, you know, presenting herself. And then we did casting together and, and I was very much surprised with her talent. And she only uh, had experience in, in a little bit in theater and, mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, and some of the some of the older, more you know, uh, characters they had some experience mostly in theater, in Uruguay, but they, they had some movie experience. But yeah, I, I was really happy and, and and lucky with the with the kid and with some of the teenagers and some of the other teenagers. I had to push them a little bit because it was really the first time in front yeah. of a camera and <laughs> oh, I, had, yeah. I had to really push them 
uh, a well, a little bit in, 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 in when we were shooting the acting and just, you know, trying to motivate them and all that. Uh, and they were troopers. They had to really, you know, uh, confront a, 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 a gory film. Yeah. And being their first experience. And we were shooting in winter. It was cold. Mm -hmm. And all the practical effects, it's get, it gets really gruesome. And it's really tough. <laughs> it's really tough to, to you know, to take that and being your first experience, but when uh, the, the the acting part of it, the, you know, just uh, talking all that, I had to. In some of the characters, I had to. Some of the actors, I had to do some motivation and rehearsing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. the I will say that's interesting. You say that though, because I mean, those those felt like real teenagers. The the whole the whole bit about you know the guy wants to go talk to the girl, and the other two mm -hmm. friends are like egging him on, and you yes. know. All of that. I mean, that felt very genuine. I mean, they yeah. felt real. And this might this might be a stupid question, but the the theater itself that it takes place in is that a is that a working theater? Well, um, the 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 one that you know sort of like was the inspiration, like the one because mm -hmm. we used two locations to combine. We combine them oh, to okay. make to make the fully fleshed mm. '90s movie theater. I'll explain yeah. this a little bit, but the thing was the. Um, the one that inspired the film was already uh, closed mm -hmm. when we when when I had the idea and I was shooting this commercial inside. It was working as a as an art house theater, not as a commercial theater for a long yeah. time. But it got closed, and actually, and actually, once it got closed, we could rent it for the movie. Before that, it was it was impossible to 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 make this movie because it was kind of you know. It mm -hmm. was it was open and uh, for for the Uruguayan Cinemateca, which is like Cinematheque. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's it was it's it's a an organization of uh, art house theaters that is really cool. But we couldn't manage to shoot the movie if they were there. So once they left, um, we rented the place and the other theater, which is called Opera, for real, is. Um, and, and we used for all the exteriors in some way because the, all the interiors are the big one. The, the it's called Dieciocho uh, de Julio, the main one, uh, which is the name of the main street of Montevideo. 18th of July, Dieciocho de Julio. That's the name of the. That was the name of the theater. Uh, but the opera was uh, the marquees, the exteriors, the ticket booth, the stairs with all the movie posters, the popcorn machine area, and all, all that was this other theater that it was actually, it's the last working old uh, theater in, in, in the city. Oh, wow. like, like a very uh, uh, throwback, <laughs> kind of yeah. like, you know, inside a gallery. And it, 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 it hold up very much uh, so as it was in the 90s. We had to do, you know, uh, some 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 changes and you know do a lot of production design here and there, but it hold up uh, uh, mostly how it was. So I use it and combine the two together. But it was working. It was and it was uh, they had, we we had to do night shoots there because mm. people were going to the cinema. Yeah, and yeah. And, and 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 so 
So we had some some problems. We almost lost that location actually because the mm. owner was 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 a prick. He was really yeah. really bad. <laughs> and so we almost we almost in the middle of uh, the production, he got he got into a discussion with one of my producers and, and he went uh, because he wanted he wanted us to arrive around because this was a night shoot and we were going to arrive at 9 p.m. Uh, to start prepping and he wanted us to arrive around 11 so that the people who went to see the lion king the last movie of disney and yeah. could watch it and leave and they could close the theater and we needed those two hours to prep so mm -hmm. we went like hey come on and we needed we needed to prep and get the gear and then people and he went, okay, you know what? Uh, you're not coming to shoot this movie. And we were on our second week of shoot. So it was like, <laughs> suddenly like, uh, we don't have uh, the second location for next week. <laughs> Can you come up with something? <laughs> and, I, wow. and, I, and I was like, uh, yeah. And there wasn't a ticket a ticket booth in the, in the other location, but I knew because I knew it from when, when I was a kid, I knew where it used to be, the, the ticket booth. So, okay, well, we can do it here. And then the whole thing was resolved. The, the guy called weeping, oh, come, okay, you can come at nine. Uh, and so we ruined some uh, projections of the Lion King for some people. Yeah. To, yeah, we ruined them uh. <laughs> because we, um, we set the fire alarm uh, at one point yeah. with, the, oh, wow. with, the, with the smoke machine and people mm. were coming out and saying, oh, this is really nice that you're shooting, but you just ruined the, the ending of Lion King. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I went like, yeah, sorry. You knew how it ended because this yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> I remember having a discussion with some, some, some guy because of that. And then someone calling the police because they saw stains of blood in the floor or they oh, saw yeah. so they saw some corpse in the floor because they, we had <laughs> one in the in the in the it, and 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 just someone <laughs> getting out of the theater calling the police don't call the police it's a movie we're shooting a movie in a movie theater Good God. Man, so there was a lot of nice anecdotes of that place and it was gonna... a drag <laughs> night shoots are are tough for the for 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 a crew, they're tough. I mean, man, like that's a tough situation for both parties. Like that, that seems like something where if you're a movie theater owner, you'd want to make sure that the Lion King, the last Lion King got done, you know, <laughs> before the the film crew came in. And, yeah, and, before the, the horror film crew came in. Right, <laughs> exactly. Was that, uh, was that difficult playing two different locations? Because obviously there are scenes where people have to, run from one location and then they're in another location uh, in the next shot. So was it tough for the actors to uh, sort of get back into that headspace uh, once uh, they went to the other location? I don't know if it was tough for the actors, but mm -hmm. definitely was tough for me Yeah, because I was really, um, I was kind of um, scared that, that the timing and all that and the combination, mm -hmm. we combine them through a curtain, curtain mm -hmm. door. You can oh, see yeah. it in the movie. Once they get, once the, the stairs are one location, and then there's a curtain, and there's that, that's the other location. 
but I was really um, worried that I couldn't, uh, you know, make uh, the the timing of all the scenes because there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, uh, different scenes going on at the same time. All the characters are kind of like separated in this movie, so it's uh, it's always uh, parallel editing continuously. There's the scenes of the main character in the projection booth, and then we go back to the theater, and the, the couple is talking, and then you go to the teenagers, and then you go and see the killer that is moving, and then you go back to the projection booth, and then you... And so it was kind of like a nightmare for editing and getting the timing right. For me, that was the, the tough part. I don't remember any, any actor complaining about the, the location mm-hmm. change. They did that. And some of the actors uh, pretty much stayed in one location. Right, some of right. Them, some of them are, are mostly in one location. Yeah, right on. Um, you, I love the score, too. I think the, uh, the 80s electronic score is back. Uh, can you talk about your composer uh, for, for a second and, uh, and how you came to uh, get to this soundtrack? Yes, yes. Hernan Gonzalez was uh, the composer for the original score. Mm-hmm. I worked with him before. He, he also did the um, Silent House score. Maybe you know mm-hmm. that you heard of this Uruguayan film. And I worked with, with him before and all. And, and he really got me. He really, he was really, uh, he, he told me he was really inspired by by the film. Once we once he, he, he got the images and he, he got the, the, the editing. He, he said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ideas. And so I, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm very much uh, into uh, the, the, the combination of music and, and film. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually my, my inspiration comes from music. It's kind of like the other part of, uh, of film that I love uh, as much as images. So it's, it's very important for me. And this one uh, is a really musical kind of movie. So for, mm-hmm. for, for me, it was really important to, to get this score that also um, in a way uh, told, tells the story and there's a, there's a, a theme for the one type of character. There's another theme for the for the villain and all that. So um, I gave him a lot of uh, you know examples, some some little things that I also worked on myself for inspiration because mm-hmm. I, I really like uh, you know just working it out myself too. Some some electronic part of it, but then. He had to do the the more orchestral classical score, yeah. And the other part was the other part was I had this theme, I had this this this, uh, this uh, music by Power Glove, which is uh, the the theme is called uh, Motorcycle Cup, and I knew <laughs> this 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 theme for a long time, for a really long time. Once I was developing the project, I sort of like I got hooked on making it sort of like the main or sort of like the main melody theme of the movie in a way mm-hmm. I got I got really hooked about it so I had to that to work that out with Hernan and and and, I, and that was that was uh, uh, that was that was good but I also in a way um, 
because I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to use this theme. I, um, at the end, it was I was lucky and yeah, I could I could work it out. But um, there was one point where Hernan he he um, he did this score for one of the scenes, and I went. I think I had to bring back the power glove <laughs> the, <laughs> music here, and he went like. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and and, and I, I say, I love that part you did with the score and all that, but I think I had to bring it back because it's kind of like the melody and it plays with your part and I think it, it works and I, I had to bring it back. And he went, oh, baby, we'll do it. Uh, you're the director. And I did it. <laughs> and, and sort of like, so there's a little piece of the score that maybe comes out once we take the... If, if we edit the score, uh, the original score, we can we can show that because I, I changed it for for a little bit of the power glove. He was okay with it <laughs> at the end, but uh, I think he still thinks his score for that scene was better. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of uh, the discussion uh, that went on during was it uh, it was I think it was Thor. What was it? What was the was one of the Thor movies that played the yeah. uh, Led Zeppelin song, the immigrant yeah. song, and the com- and the composer? I think it was Mark Mothersbaugh. Was like, uh, I like what I wrote, what I did for this scene, and they and they just <laughs> they wanted to do that Led Zeppelin immigrant song. Uh, yeah. Really wanted to do it, but uh, that's that's an always an interesting uh, argument. I would say, like, do yeah. do I do I you play the existing music or do I play the the, the guy that I picked uh, his his music? Yeah. Uh, so. Um, the, one thing about this movie uh, that a lot of cinephiles will will see are all the posters that are set, that are uh, yeah. thrown around on the on the on the uh, walls and everything, and the video cassettes and uh, and everything. Uh, are are a lot of these movies some of your like all time favorites, or was that just sort of uh, you just found some cool posters and threw them up on the wall? No, no, no. They they are. Um thoroughly uh, uh, research and, 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 and on purpose in, and I was really, um, uh, I asked for um, my production design to withhold me of, of, of abusing <laughs> as much as I, as I wanted to just connect and making this House of Mirrors movie within the movie with all my love for film all over the walls so oh, in yeah. a way yeah, yeah i i was i was um it could it could got got worse if it wasn't for a great for the great production designer that i had that i mm-hmm. I, I i gave her the my christina negros her name i gave her some mm-hmm. of my my movie reference uh, and my poster collection and mm-hmm. some of the posters we uh we came out with 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 uh, movies invented in a way, in, like a, like an alternative reality of movies, that are kind of like reference to other movies. So you can see like a Robocop mock-up that it was it was it was for yes. yes. Robocop, yes. and then you can see, <laughs> but it's called Policia Robot, which is like right <laughs> police. Yeah, so awesome. Police it robot. Was so great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so we had this great, great designer doing mock-up, a lot of mock-up stuff. And so there's a combination of real things. Uh, of course, a lot of my personal 
favorites and inspirations, not the ones that usually people picked up, actually, which is funny. And some are, uh, so it's a mix up. So there's that part and then the, um, yeah, uh, uh, and then there's all, uh, some, some there on, they're there because they service the story uh, or maybe they're connected with some aspect of, of the movie. Like, uh, well, there's a very uh, notorious Argento poster of opera. And uh, yes. I, I mentioned this because, because there's, uh, I mean, I love, uh, of course I love Gialla, I love Argento, but it wasn't, wasn't that I, I wanted to put that specific poster mm-hmm. because of that specific movie of Argento. It was because that movie was going, uh, at one point it was going to be the movie within the movie that, that was going to be projected. But that didn't oh, wow. work out, and we had to change the movie. And so the poster was there because I like, well, because of that idea, and also because the movie house was called Opera, and I, and I found funny to connect the giallo and the opera and the name of the movie theater with the movie, with the movie's name. Yeah. But, the, but it wasn't that, oh, this is my favorite giallo or Argento film. It's, it's, yeah. it's cool, and I, I like it a lot, but it wasn't my favorite. But I, if I had to point some some of them, which are really interested, it's um, I put I placed some small ones. There's some some Raimi posters around. Yeah. Like you can you can you can see some some Raimi. There's some Terry Gilliam going around. There's the the, the Monty Python's God of uh, the Monty Python's Meaning of Life. You can find mm-hmm. that one. And, and 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 the adventures of Baron Munchausen, which is kind of like my favorite film from my childhood. Oh, really? So it's it's, it's cool. over there. And there's a lot of uh, yeah, there's a lot of Spielberg references. There's an amazing stories poster, really rare one. Mm-hmm. There, there's it's it's, it's 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 really hard to to catch in the it's in the master shot of the projection booth. And oh, there's yeah. so many, and some of them we actually. We actually found them on the theater when we were doing the scouting. We found really old posters, like uh, the Year of the Dragon, which is called oh, wow. in Spanish Manhattan Sur, the Michael Ciamino <laughs> Michael Ciamino yeah, yeah. poster. Yeah, we, fa- we found it, like an archaeological oh, that's crazy. find. <laughs> we found yeah. some others that you can see in the back of the. In the back of the projection, when they are running behind the screen, those posters that you see there, there's a Home Alone 2 poster that's <laughs> over there. It's a, there's a Cocodrile Dundee uh, marquee with Cocodrile Dundee's head uh, chopped off. Really hard to find, yeah, but it's I there. Wondered, I wondered what that one was. I was like, what is that from? <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> So it's a it's 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 a minefield of um, for movie buff. It's 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 filled with um, Easter eggs and and all sorts of, all sorts of funny references. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, sure. and I for love sure. and, and you know and I love uh, you know we we see here in the United States we generally see the same posters over and over and over again, and it's great to see. Uh, you know yeah. how the posters look in other countries and everything, and you have yeah, an Indiana yeah. Jones, you have an Indiana Jones uh, Temple of Doom in there, and that, that was really cool looking. And 
um, uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that stuff. It really sort of made a, a nice world out of your movie theater, uh, seeing all yeah. those posters and uh, video yeah. cassette and everything set up. There's, there's actually some some Uruguayan movies from the '90s, which oh, well, yeah. and, and some Argentinian films. There's some anachronism too. I placed mm-hmm. some 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 posters that are from movies that are kind of like set up in the '90s, but they're movies. They're movies that were made uh, uh, later on. Mm-hmm. The movie that is being projected, the Frankenstein Day of the Beast, yeah. which is the movie uh, directed by the, the the actor playing the killer, Ricardo. Oh, Islas. really? It's yeah. It's a. Uh, it's, it's, it's the actor uh, playing the killer is the director of the movie within the movie and that movie is from 2011 mm-hmm. but it feels like an older movie kind of like a Hummer sure does horror film yeah. and and he's the horror pioneer from Uruguay Ricardo Islas so huh. I, I connected that and there's other posters from his movies of the 90s from Uruguay there's a mm-hmm. Plenty Lunio poster on the stairs and there's a that's that's uh his famous movie it's like it's a werewolf movie he did in the 90s in uruguay mm-hmm. and then there's uh um, another one really famous from the 90s uh, el dirigible it's a really famous movie from uruguay mm-hmm. uh, and there's a plaga zombie poster which is the first zombie movie from argentina and they're friends of, of friends of mine that I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, <laughs> do, do, place the poster of them. Uh, so I yeah. was there. Yeah. And that movie's from 2001. So, but it feels like a nineties movie very much. Right. So. It's kind of like set in the nineties. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. I the had movie, actually, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. Go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, when I was watching this um, and I hadn't read up on everything, I assumed you had shot that the footage that you were showing in the theater, like the the movie within the movie, because I know that happens sometimes. Uh, and then I, that was fascinating to find out that it was actually, uh, like you said, the film uh, Frankenstein Day of the Beast. Which, I, I know you said you were originally going to do opera. What 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 led you to pick this one uh, well, once that fell uh, through? Well, because originally it's, it was like you said, it was written uh, that I was, uh, and I was really excited about it. I was going to do a, a sort of like a horror, an Italian horror uh, little film, like mm-hmm. a, like an Italian horror invented mock-up film. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I was going to shoot, it was called uh, La Muerte Jamás Vista which is kind of like the unseen death. And so it was really mm-hmm. relatable, of course, to the to the script and the story. And um, the thing was, we didn't have enough money budget-wise. Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of different changes on the script. And one of the big changes was the movie within within the movie, because we tried, but it will, it, that, that the, shooting that little film will take another week uh, at yeah. least. And so we didn't have the budget for it. We, 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 so I came up with the idea, what, what if I used a real film from the 90s, an Italian horror because of the connection with the giallo and the style. Let's, let's bring, uh, what, if, what if I can manage to get 
uh, an Argento film. That was the first idea because, yeah. But and but it couldn't be any movie. It had to be a movie that worked out and that could be you know relatable. It wasn't it wasn't that I could, could pick up any movie. That was that wasn't that wasn't going to work if if if, if it was any any movie. So I started a, a, a search. The opera fell through, but then I had this um, distributor from Italy. I always I always tell this story. It's a, it's a long story, but it's a. I had this distributor who gave me a catalog in exchange for distributor rights in Italy for the movie. He gave me a catalog, catalog of horror, Italian horrors and a lot of giallos. So I started doing different edits of the movie with different movies. We, uh, oh, wow. we, have, a, we have a cut of the movie with, with uh, Argento's opera. And then I had a cut of the movie... He, I almost got a cut with uh, Michael Solavi's um, stage fright, but oh, then he, he well. said, "Okay, I cannot give you that one." <laughs> and so, okay, <laughs> I say which one because there were like hundreds. So I said, uh, "Which ones?" I, I I chose, and then he said, "Okay, this five, just pick pick around these five movies." So I was <laughs> like, uh, "Those doesn't they don't work?" Uh, and then I went like, "Whatever, okay, uh, let's go with this one." Um, and I, uh, the, the the other one we edited was witchery, witchcraft. Yeah, with uh, you know it. Um, uh, it's uh, with the Linda Blair and David yeah, yeah, Hassel. yeah, yeah. David Hassel. Was, uh, so yeah, it was released here. Yeah, I think it is witchery here or something witchery. like that. Yeah, because yes. I think Scream Factory or somebody did a Blu-ray not that long ago. Yes. So there's yeah. a cut with that movie, which is funny because the, the the scene the scenes change, and I did some different actings for them. So so the cuts really change, and it's not that you can just paste another movie. You had to re-edit a lot. Yeah, and then that fell through too, and I and I used another one, which was the last one wow. because at, at the end. The pandemic started, and and the communication with this guy was like, okay, whatever. He's not, mm-hmm. it's not working out with you. So, and the last one we used was um, Beyond Darkness, a Claudio Fragazzo movie. You, you, it's a director of Troll Two, the famous Troll Two. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've, oh, I've never oh. seen it, but I've, I'm very aware of it. Yeah. And oh, so, wow. and that was almost it. Almost we, I mean, and so. It was almost gonna be that one, and huh. um, and at the end that fell through too. And while I was, uh, while all this was happening, I had an ace up my sleeve, which was <laughs> Ricardo Islas, who uh, he was such. Well, he was really nice. He uh, he went. I mean, he loved the project. I when I proposed him to be the killer, and he said, mm-hmm. "Maxi, if you have a problem with this, because he knew." That when we were shooting, if you if you have a problem, my catalog of films is available to you, and I knew that his Frankenstein will work out. So, but uh, I was mm-hmm. hesitant because the movie was from 2010, and I didn't want to do another uh, anachronism. I wasn't I wasn't I didn't like the idea of that. But it worked out, and because it's a very independent movie. That not many people know, and because it connects 
in a sort of subtextual way, cinephile way, with the director of the movie being playing the killer here, and all mm -hmm. those connections with uh, our regional uh, uh, horror pioneer in Uruguay, all that just worked out, and also the movie really worked out because it's a slasher. It's a, yeah. it's a Frankenstein slasher. So, <laughs> and it has so many, uh, it has so much more connections than the one that we actually wrote. Actually, there's a lot of foreshadowing uh, uh, that you can find in the movie being projected. Actually, the, the last shot that you see of the movie before the credits roll on the on the projection, there's uh, there's a really obvious foreshadowing right there in the last shot. That I invite anyone to check that out. Maybe rewind and pause because mm -hmm. there's there's some funny foreshadowing of the movie inside the inside the Frankenstein movie. I I need to I need to look back on that. I missed that. <laughs> I the the, yeah. the the ending the ending shot in this movie the of this movie is the one that I have the most questions about. Although it might be uh, spoiler uh, to uh, to talk about it, but I'm going to try to see if I can ask this question <laughs> without without spoiling. <laughs> the movie. Uh, is there any kind of message at the end about? Uh, uh, maybe watching a movie too young or, or experiencing violence at too young of an age uh, being mm -hmm. said at the end of this movie? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, well, the, the, one of the main themes that, that, that goes through the film that I had as one of the main themes, the main themes of the film was the end of innocence. I always mention this because uh, it's um, it's one of the themes that, that, that I you know I had always in mind. It's also in a way uh, the trip back to the '90s was going back to a more innocent time, like mm -hmm. all all uh, every uh, uh, period of time before <laughs> the present mm -hmm. moment is more innocent mm -hmm. and slow, uh, and the '90s were slow. And I wanted to also have that experience of going back to a time that things were slower because this movie has a lot of a slow burn to it at the, at the beginning, asks for patience of the audience at the beginning, builds up slow. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a connection to that thing, especially because, I mean, I wanted to, it's not that I wanted to leave the door open, but it was kind of like, yeah, this, this, story is not over yet. I wanted to, to, to give that thing with the character of the kid. Um, right. So it's the end of innocence for him. And in a way was also a way it wasn't actually wrote exactly like that. I wanted, I wanted to, I pushed it a little bit. Uh, when I, when I, you know, did rewrites and stuff because mm -hmm. I wanted, I wanted to place uh, something uh, that will continue with his character in the future, mm -hmm. I, uh, and yeah, that's the idea actually. Yeah, if if I'm lucky and manage in the future uh, to continue this story out of out of the theater, of course, mm -hmm. if if it <laughs> if it continues, if that works out, 
uh, yeah, the character of Tomas, the kid, it's uh, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I was, it, it, it's interesting just watching uh, him watch this really violent movie uh, in the theater. Nobody really knows that he's there. He's in the front row, basically, and uh, hidden uh, uh, by the seat that he's sitting in uh and then you know by the end of it you have uh anna character like covering telling him to cover his eyes and not watch the you know look at the dead bodies that are in the actual movie theater and and uh and uh it's just uh you know it's like i think i think i think uh that bell's been rung basically he's already he's already seen horrific violence at this point there's really there's no going back uh, you can you can't really protect him anymore. So mm-hmm. yes, it's it's the end of his childhood, of course. Yeah. It's, it's it's so yeah. It was all, it was, I guess the main the, one of the main te- themes of it. So mm-hmm. it's just uh, yeah. I did wanted you, to did, I wanted to push that that idea. Of course. Did you just say nineteen themes? No, main. <laughs> no, I, 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 I was like, I was like that. That's funny. I have nineteen themes for this movie. Exactly gonna, nineteen. I was going to ask you to name them all and uh, whatever, but no, the main themes. Okay. No, it was the main one of the main themes. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Um, uh, Jonathan, do you have anything else you'd like to ask? No, I mean, I think uh, I know we're getting towards the end of the time. Um, I did. I mean, you've kind of talked about uh, you know the the Jalo themes and and stuff, which I'm a huge fan of. I also, I also like this because, you know, I think most people assume, always think of that as being an Italian, uh, uh, subgenre or genre, which, and there are a lot of Spanish, mm-hmm. uh, Jollos out there. Um, were there any more specific ones that you were influenced by or just some of your favorites? I was just kind of curious. Well, um, I'm more, uh, of a Mario Baba and Fulci mm. kind of, uh, <laughs> admire, I, I can, can definitely admire. see the Fulci when I watch this. <laughs> okay, and um, there wasn't really a specific um, giallos that I can point as as reference because it's more like a combination of 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 that kind of filmmaking, uh, and stylistic filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like horror poetry that Jaws have. But it wasn't like I picked up something specific from one movie. It really wasn't. Um, or, or something like that. I'll, except for um, Blood and Black Lace, which was actually the reference movie for the movie within the movie that we didn't shoot. <laughs> but it was <laughs> oh, always wow. there because... And it, and so it was kind of like yeah because and and I wish I could you know shoot that movie and, and do a an, a, a giallo edition of the movie and and project uh, that movie that we didn't we didn't shoot. Another oh, I want to see version. this so oh my, bad my now. God. Yeah. I really want <laughs> to see this was, now. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. But yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, what I can say is, yeah, there was a lot of um, just pretty much, I guess, Fulci uh, uh, sense to it. Just his uh, his movies are <laughs> they 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 are tra- tra- traumatizing. <laughs> they can be yeah, traumatizing. 
I just actually, yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess most people know like the Beyond. I just, I just watched exactly. Murder Rock. <laughs> I just watched Murder yeah. Rock for the first time. That that movie is like if you could film like cocaine. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what Murder Rock is. No, I, Blood and Black Lace though, Mario Baba's. That's that's the first gel. It's in that conversation for you know best giallo for sure. Uh, yeah. I really want to see your other film. I really want to see that film within a film now. That <laughs> we, need, uh, we, we need to shoot it. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. put that on Twitter. Release the you know release the the, the giallo cut. cut. The giallo <laughs> cut. <laughs> it's the original script cut. Yeah, no. Uh, I'll, I don't know. I'll I'll go back to it if I if I can. Of course, I will. But uh, at this point, it doesn't exist. It's only only my imagination. But the, another thing that I wanted wanted to mention also is like I really got a lot of inspiration outside of of just giallos. Yeah, but, yeah. Out, uh, but, uh, but also uh, in Italian filmmakers, like uh, mm-hmm. more like uh, I'm a really huge fan of uh, Sergio Leone. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I like and I like um, in a way I, I, I like the, the mix mix of, of things. I, I always I thought of, a, of this movie as a horror adventure and I wanted to push that. In a way, too, maybe, maybe very making I don't know some some scenes visually iconic, and I also wanted to to um, have this uh, expression with the with well with the kills and all that. Um, I I worked really in making them very stylistically, but also combining not only giallo vibes but also i worked with the storyboard artist for doing all the kills that he's really into japanese anime mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nothing to do with giallo but really um combining the different aspects of uh, of the shots like an like animation um yeah uh, uh, something but for for real i mean um so it's a mashup. Uh, I have to say that it's not only. I know that it's it's easy to point out the giallo vibes, and there truly is a giallo vibe to it all over the place. But there's a there's a mashup. I'm very much into. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah, I'm very much into just world filmmaking in general, and um, and if I had to say um, my favorite kind of genre is uh, yeah adventure. Just fantasy, and I wanted I wanted to mm-hmm. get this this horror fable vibe to it. Just you know, really uh, kind of like eighties uh, eighties Spielberg factory around, combined with Brian mm-hmm. De Palma and a little bit of Carpenter. Just a, a whole uh, put all in the blender, <laughs> mixed yeah, it up. I I would say you succeeded. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah, the other one of the last thing that. Uh, that uh, I uh, thought of watching this movie is uh, I'm, I'm glad that you, that we can't really, um, I don't know. You can't watch this movie and care about any particular character in it, because uh, if you do, they might be killed. You have, uh, you have a lot of things that you make it where, where you're, you know, you kind of care about what's going on in the, the sort of the subplot of the movie 
and uh, and just when you think that uh, it's like something major, you know, it's like those people get killed. I love the fact that anybody can die in one of these movies, and it's not they don't have this plot armor around them. Yeah, I don't want to give away yeah. any of the kills or anything, but like there, you there's that there's one moment that I'll just say it's like this super sweet moment between these two people, and it ends so horribly but it was it was so well done because it's just like you just take you know that emotional terrain right through that whole like you know minute and a half or whatever that is mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah we may have to do yeah. a little spoiler tag on this one but that's fine <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah it was it was uh of course it was a main idea to to just uh by the last bit of the movie, just have this extreme sense of dread in a way uh, that that is also combined with pretty things. It's kind of like really aesthetic and it's visually kind of rich and colorful. But then you don't. Ha- it's not a whodunit movie either. It's yeah. really just a, a. It's not like a giallo whodunit. It's yeah. a mystery. You you stay with the mystery. It's up to you the audience to come about the meanings it's very symbolic it's so so it's up to you to 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 what why why the what why this guy or whatever his intentions what what, what was it all about at this point it's a mystery and stays mm-hmm. a mystery but it's uh i also wanted to to push this idea of of a sense of dread and a sense of they are fucked in a just like <laughs> there's there's no, there's no safety here. This can end up really bad uh, once, once you know, once the, the well, I'll say this without spoiling much, but once the screen turns red, it's, uh, it's like okay, this is gonna, this, this can go anywhere, and I like, mm-hmm. I like that. I like this thing of, uh, yeah, um, I don't know what's going, gonna happen. At this point, um, yeah, and and I, and uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I guess I guess uh, um, I, I was I was hesitant, I'll say, to do it <laughs> because, mm-hmm. but I, but I wanted to that to do that juxtaposition of also very visually appealing, uh, a sort of like um, decadent. Glamour of this movie house uh, in the nineties. It's kind of it's it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's decadent, but it's it's pretty, right? It's kind of like Amelie <laughs> in a way. Just everything yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, looks nice, and then and then you get these harsh, horrible uh, situations with characters that are just mm-hmm. nice. Come on, <laughs> they're just or they're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not so deserving. They're really pretty much innocent. So it's yeah. uh, they're victims for real. This is this is a fucked up situation and a time limit. Yeah, that's what I wanted to mention. Yeah, um, we'd like to thank uh, Maxi Contenti to uh, for showing uh, giving us this time. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie is The Last Matinee. It's on VOD, digital, and DVD on August twenty fourth. And this actually was in theaters, uh, is or maybe still in theaters. Uh, I don't know when we'll yes, come yes. out with this, but uh, how has the theater experience been, by the way? The theater is, well, it, it's been only in Uruguay, 
And it's going to oh, be yeah. in, in Argentina because theaters just started to reopen in Argentina. And it's been uh, in okay. a very limited, in a small limited release in the U.S. I think it's been in six or seven theaters in some mm-hmm. locations. And it's been removing around the festival circuit too. But um, in mm. Uruguay, it was really, was really something. It was good. It reopened. It was the Uruguayan film that reopened the theaters last year when they reopened mm-hmm. uh, one, uh, mm-hmm. seven months later uh, after the first wave. And, um, and it, it did well. It, uh, we, we did well for the Uruguayan box office. We, 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 it worked yeah. <laughs> even with the small capacity, you know, because the this capacity was was really small, was 30% of the theater uh, ava- available. So, mm-hmm. so we, um, and we lasted for two months and we actually went back. Oh, that's awesome. Once, because this theater is closed again, the theater is closed and mm-hmm. they reopen and they put the movie back. So yeah, it's a movie that calls oh, wow. for movie theater projections for, for cinemas. I, I hope uh, uh, movie theaters will call the movie, ask for the movie. I think it, it, that connection with the theaters and that celebration of movie theater houses will bring the movie back to theaters every once in a while. I, I, I really uh, hope I, that. I have a feeling that's going to happen, especially a lot of like, uh, you know, we've got an yeah. art house theater here where we're located that I know that this, this feels right at home with something they would show, you know, midnight screening or something. Cause yeah. a packed theater exactly. audience watching this would be a blast. Yeah, it would. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, I think that, that was one of the, one of the ideas. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, so once again, thank you so much, uh, Maxi, for giving us your time. Uh, the movie is on uh BOD digital and DVD on August 24th. That's going to do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.